0: Hello, everybody. This is Aaron Saft and the MR Running Pains podcast. I'm going to try to say everything I have to say up in front of this podcast episode today because I want you to go over to the YouTube channel and actually watch this one so you get the full spectrum of uh, the information that we present here. Uh, Danny Murphy is the creator of Ultra Pacer. So ultrapacer.com, a great resource in order for you to train um, or plan out your uh, your race plan for your next ultra. Uh, Danny has done a tremendous job and put a lot of work into this website, and I hope that if you use it and find it a valuable resource, you'll help support him and contribute uh, you know, he, he does this as a labor of love. So if you can contribute, that's fantastic. But, um, in the show notes in the title as well, I'm going to post the YouTube video so you can check out the video and watch as we go through the platform. So you can see how to use it, um, or refer back to it. Uh, I'm sure you can still pull some stuff from the audio, but this one really is more of a, uh, a visual, um, podcast. Uh, so check it out on youtube Uh, so you know thanks to danny for coming on and uh and doing this episode uh we'll catch up a little bit more um in the mr running pains world in the next episode but i really want to focus on uh, danny murphy today and ultra pacer so hope you enjoyed this episode with danny and again you know check it out on the youtube video channel it's my uh, aaron saff channel link again will be in the show notes Lastly, just thanks to um, my new patreon supporter Ron Wyant. I uh, really appreciate it, Ron thank you for coming on board and helping support this and making my efforts uh, you know uh, feasible so thank you and thank you to all my patreon supporters for all their continued support. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying the podcast and getting some good information and taking taken away so that it will help your training and your running so uh, I'll turn it over here you'll hear the audio obviously from this podcast but like i said you'll you'll get the most out of the video so enjoy all right i had the pleasure of having on the podcast danny murphy from ultra pacer uh a ultra runner in his own right uh danny i'm really pleased to have you here today thank you for coming on board
1: yeah thanks for having me this will be fun
0: absolutely i i can't wait to get into this. Um, we were talking before we got started about uh, one of my athletes using the platform, and uh, it's, there's so many intricacies into this, so uh, I really want to get into a deep dive. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay. Um, so I live in Auburn, which is uh, home of the Western States over here. I've been in the area for about eight years, but I'm a California native. I've um, been running somewhat seriously for about six years or so. I uh, kind of fell in love with the trail system here, and really started as a runner when I got up into Auburn area. It wasn't really something I had done for the rest of my life, um, but you know I get out for try to hit 40 to 40 to 60 miles a week during training sessions, um, and most of my running times in the dark. We've got a local club called the the Headlamps that spend our early mornings before the families wake up uh, wandering around the trails down there, and so that's how I normally spend my time uh, training. And um, yeah, just a happy part of the running community in Auburn, and um, really enjoying it up here. That's wonderful. Yeah.
0: Um, now, ultra pacer is not your primary job, right? <laughs>
1: no, that's not. I am. Um, I'm, a, I'm a tinkerer by nature, and so I kind of just start little projects here and there. And um, I, I'm my real job is a civil engineer. I do transportation consulting for a number of uh, public agencies and, and private developers in the Northern California region. Um, so this is kind of a side side thing that I've been tinkering with for the past four years or so, three or four years, and um, slowly growing it into a bit a bigger user base and, and having fun with it. So yep.
0: Well, tell us about the origins of Ultra Pacer. How did it come about and how did you start developing it? What did it start yeah. as and you know? Yeah, you yeah. So um, let's
1: see, 2019. 2019. I had signed up for Kuyamaka 100 k Um, and it was the first time I was going to run that distance and I live in, you know, Auburn, Northern California, Cuyameca is a race down in the desert outside of San Diego. And, um, up until that point, everything I had raced were my own local trails. So I was able to get out on the course and feel it out and, you know, um, really, really understand like where, how I needed to hit the pacing for different sections of it. And when I signed up for the race that I was traveling to, um, I realized that I didn't know how to strategize because I wasn't familiar with the course. I wasn't really sure how to set a plan together. And so I kind of came up with the idea that if I could figure out, I'm an, I'm an engineer, right? If I could figure out how to break it down into numbers, I, I could translate it to something else um, that's usable for me. And so... Um, I started, of course, an Excel spreadsheet and kind of like, okay, well, if this is about a 500-foot climb there, you know, what does it do with my pacing? I've got, you know, this amount of miles and feet between aid stations. Um, But then as I kind of started developing that, I realized the modeling for trail runs are a lot more complicated than just elevation and distance. You know, we've got all kinds of different terrain. We've got elevation factors. Once you get up in a little bit higher, you know, you've got to deal with the altitude. Um, Kouimaka being in the desert gets really hot midday and so there's that late afternoon sunshine with, with all the heat and just like all these different things kind of going into this, this model that I had in my head of how am I going to translate this into something I can use and so the Excel spreadsheet kind of turned into some Java code which slowly rolled into this web platform um, that that we're looking at here and um, you know, really starting as something that I meant to use personally. And once I got the models all set up, kind of started sharing it and then um, wanting you know to continue to develop it for other people to use for their, their planning. And so what Ultra Pacer is, is it's a planning platform um, to strategize how to plan and pace out your races, races or any other trail adventure. You can put courses together for you know a weekend trip in the mountains or your morning sunday morning long run or however you want to do it um and come up with a realistic plan and an understanding of what kind of paces you need to hit during different sections to give you an overall idea of what you're going to do head it off to your crew so they know what times they're going to meet you in different places Um, understand like you know if you've got a specific time goal in mind that you're going to have to hit a seven minute split in a section, you know, in order to make the whole thing come together. And so um, that, you know, it's, it's really that, that planning component. And so from, from, on a race day perspective, you can have that all in mind. I usually print myself off a little cheat sheet, you know, that I carry with me at every aid station, I'll look at it and say, okay, well this next five miles, you know, I've got this amount of climbing and stuff and I've got to hit an 830 average for this section. Cause that's, you know, that'll get me to my goal my next, my next checkpoint. And so, um, that's how that's how I use it um some people download it onto their watches and use some of the the more advanced tools like with course tracking and, and stuff on their watches but I found that for anything long watches and course tracks aren't reliable enough and paper <laughs> in the end something on paper doesn't break so that's kind of how I usually use it on race day but Um, Yeah. So in in the end, what Ultra Pacer does is it takes all these different factors, um, the the elevation, the grades, the terrain profiles, uh, sun, darkness, and normalizes it all down to like a level of effort for whatever it is that you can kind of translate between races or race courses. So, you know, like, um, you know, if you have a 20 hour effort. And with all these different factors, you know, like what kind of a normalized pace that is, and you can translate to some other twenty-hour effort to figure out how how fast you could accomplish it if you put that same level of effort in. Um, and so, you know, we, when you're putting a place plan together, and I can I can go over this more detail in a little bit, but you yeah. can you can plan out by like I know what what normalized pace I can hit, and that turns into a twenty-six-hour finish. Or you know, if I want to you know, compared two different races, I can say, you know, I did this one in, in 20 hours. I did this one in 18 hours. Um, and, you know, one of them is harder because of all these different factors, you know, it will have a higher level of effort associated with it. So, yeah. Cool. That's kind of the, the origins of how it started. Um, I think I posted it online for people to use in like mid 2019, something like that. Um, and then it's just since then been, kind of a work in progress as I, as I have time to continue developing it. And I have a lot of future plans, um, future plans for it too, especially with the race day usage of it. So, um, in terms of like actually tracking athletes, putting in their actual checkpoint times and forecasting, you know, where where they're going to be later on the course based on how they're doing, um, compared to the plan they put together stuff like that. So, Yeah.
0: Uh, and you don't have to divide, divulge too much, but any plans to uh, make a phone app so that it's, you know, kind of accessible to the phone? and
1: uh, You know, I have thought about it. Um, <laughs> where I really want to go with, with that is actually to try to leverage some of... Um, so Garmin has a platform called Pace Pro. I don't know if you've tried it. Um, they have a, a pacing capability on their higher end watches, which will factor in grade. And so it's a, it's a step, but there's a lot of other factors that get left out. But I'm, I'm hoping to figure out how I can utilize that to actually use it on your watch with that, that Pace Pro um, integration. I'm not sure if I'll be able to. If I ever find the time, I'd like actually to develop a watch app through their, through Garmin's Connect Marketplace. Um, in terms of phone apps, no, I, I don't intend to really develop one myself. Although I would like to figure out a couple of partners to make th- with an established mapping platform where I can give them the information that could be used. Because there are a lot of really great mapping platforms on on phones, and I'm not going to compete. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's fair. I'm hoping to figure out ways to integrate into other platforms, really, to just provide that data, you know, on top of something else. Great, awesome. Yeah.
0: Awesome man, very cool. Well, thank you for taking us through that. Yeah. Um, so um, anything else before we take a dive into the platform?
1: No, we can go ahead and get started. I'm sure you'll have a lot of questions as we go along. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, let's and, just go ahead and kind of start walking through the process, and and yeah. then as as we see things, I'll kind of you know, illustrate and describe them as we're as we're going.
0: Okay. All right. Um, and can you uh? take us to, from the, the homepage just so everybody sees.
1: Yeah. So, um, so the ultra pacer.com is how you get there. And, um, it's kind of just as a kind of a high level landing page when you get to the front, uh, and there's an option to go ahead and log in. Um, they can create an account for free. Um, there, there is a membership option. It's mostly just more for like a donation support. There's not a lot of things on there that are, you know, members only, although the, the amount of content you can create is kind of limited to a certain amount for the free accounts, because um, I have to pay for all the backend services somehow. But so you can go ahead and log in, create an account. Um, I'll just go ahead and, and log in with mine. And when, when you log in, it'll take you to what's called your dashboard. Um, if you just create a new account, there will be nothing here. You can see I've got all kinds of stuff on mine. Um, there's a number of different options along the top. The, the website itself is mobile friendly. However, to fit things on on a mobile screen, a lot of stuff gets hidden. Um, And so, you know, I really recommend using it on a bigger screen, on a tablet or a PC, um, if you're really going to be using the tools. Um, But, you know, the mobile app, the mobile version of it is great for, like, you're out on a trail and you want to know what your time should be through a certain section, you can use that as well. But, um, you know, certainly, like, the, the big screen helps a lot. So along the menu we have um, your dashboard, which is all your own content. So that'll include courses that you create, plans that you create for other people's courses. Um, And then you can also pin stuff to your dashboard. You know, like you've got a a friend running some race and you want to keep track of where they are so you can pin their plan so it shows up on your dashboard. Um, There's a races tab up at the top. And this is just a database of races that that I've either put in myself or that other people have created and I've looked them over and vetted, um, like any tool, ultra pacer is only as good as the data you put into it. And so, you know, everything that's posted here, I've wanted to make sure, looks like the courses are set up. Well, the aid stations are all in there, the trains all figured out. And so, you know, that the, if people are in here using these races, they can have a reasonable amount of confidence, um, that they're good and accurate. Um, if it's not, if there's a race that's not here, there's a little button to request me to help build it. Um, I get to maybe 30% of those requests just because of the amount of time I've got. Um, but anybody can create their own race courses and, and races and adventures on Ultra Pace or just by uploading a, a GPX file, um, like through a mapping tool or through a recorded track that somebody else did. Um, but anyway, there's quite a bit of content on this races page, some of them, you know updated for this next coming year there's a lot for past years that i just haven't checked again to make sure okay you know it's still good for this next year or not so some of these you know if people are exploring and looking for races and they see a 2022 version um and that there's if anybody ever notices anything that needs to be updated for the next year reach out let me know um and i can help update those as well so that's all in there uh there's a search option um which Allows you to basically just search the database for anything that any of the users have uploaded. Um, so that includes like races or adventures if they've tagged it, so that it's available for search. You can find it in here. Um, so you just type in what you want, Western States. So um, here, you know, there's a, a couple of a couple of Western States races, you know, past couple of years. Um, there's a settings page where you can kind of define some of your of your athlete settings and units preferences. Um, there there are some widgets for performance that I can go over a little bit later. This is this is one members members only perk. Um, but like if you're if you're more or less altitude acclimated or more or less comfortable in darkness, you can actually customize how those dials actually affect your pacing. Um, there's a section on documentation uh, and so. This covers, you know, all the modeling and how to do various things within the application. Um, I'm, I'll admit up front, I'm horrible at documentation, and so a lot of this becomes out of date as I continue making tweaks. Because I, when I have free time, I prefer to spend it doing the fun stuff and not documenting. <laughs> so, apologies for <laughs> anything you come across in there that's out of date. Um, but I, you know, my 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 excuse is that I'm like the worst paid software engineer that exists in America. So, <laughs> um, then there's an about page that just kind of goes over generally what, what ultra pacer is. So let's go ahead and get started with, um, with you. So you're running, running Western States. This summer. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, and uh, that is obviously one of the races I've gotten here. So early like June, um, Western States 100. So actually the the plan that just popped up is my own. Um, But we'll go ahead and create a new one. And um, move this little window. Let's see. New plan. Okay. Um, So let's see. Um, When you create a new plan in Ultra Pacer, you can actually create a new plan without creating your own account. Although... Just because of the way that the software is designed, there are a lot more options that become available to you when you have an account, because I can, I do a lot of the processing on the server side. And so without an account to associate that with, um, you can only use uh, a subset of the pacing functions. Um, but let's go ahead and create a new one. So uh, do you have a goal? What's your, what's your goal for, the, for Western States? You're wanting to just finish, you have a specific, specific yes. time?
0: I think I'm thinking somewhere between 21 and 22 hours since I have okay. Vermont three weeks after. <laughs> go with the 21. Let's be optimistic for this. All right.
1: Okay. So there are a number of different ways you can specify um, a target. So, with the platform, you know, we have essentially what, what I'm doing is trying to it- iterate how fast you have to go during different sec- sections of the course to hit your target. And so the options for that are. You can pick an elapsed time. I want to finish in 21 hours, right? You could also pick an average pace. Like I plan on running on average a nine minute mile, or you could pick what's called the normalized pace. Um, with an ultra pace or normalized here means that if it was flat ground on a smooth surface at sea level, I'm, I'm running a six minute mile. But with that same level of effort, what does it do to me at this? And that becomes useful if you're comparing two courses because you can put in an actual execution for some other course, find out what your normalized level of effort is, and then stick that in in some new course and say, I know I'm capable of a normalized, you know, 50K at a 630 normalized pace. And I'm going to run this other 50K at a 630 normalized pace. How fast does that actually end up? Being so that you can use that to translate between different different efforts. Um, there's an option here to use cutoffs. So most of the courses on the races page um, have all the different cutoffs for aid stations built into it, and so that will tell you, um, you know, like whether or not you're gonna you're gonna meet those. If you have that selected, it'll actually repace if you if you're behind because a lot of cutoffs are built to front load them a little bit and then they're a little bit more you know um easy to hit on the back end of the course so like if you were to just straight pace a 20 you know 100 miler you know if if the cut if the overall cutoff is 36 you could straight pace it for a 24-hour pace but you know if you straight pace for 36 you're probably going to miss some of the cutoffs in the middle you know so you actually have to run a little faster in the beginning so that you know enabling this use cutoffs option will make sure that none of the later cutoffs get missed. um
0: Danny, let me ask you real quick. Um, If if you're uploading a course that is not preloaded, is there a way to add the the cutoffs to that as well?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. After we get through kind of creating a plan, we can go over creating a course, um, which is a little longer uh, lecture, (laughs) but definitely. So, yeah, anything that's in here, you know, you can create on your own. Um, creating courses with aid stations and, and all their cutoffs and defining all that stuff. Okay. Anybody can do all of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this, there's a default number of, of three minutes in here for delays at aid stations, but you could change it um, for a hundred mile or you might go a little longer. Um, you know, this, especially for, you know, course like States with what twenty aid stations um, that time adds up a lot. So, you know, you can save a lot of time off your off your overall execution by reducing that number as much as possible. Um, strategy. There's a couple of options here um, that are that are optional. Strategy is an intended change in pace throughout a race. So the default in here, I'll go ahead and click on it. Um, the default in here for a hundred miler is a twenty percent change throughout the race, meaning you start the race twenty percent faster than you finish it, and it's just a linear degradation as you go along. Um, you can change this around so that you could negative split the race if you wanted to plan your pacing that way. You could change it so you know you run the first half fast and then take it easy after a certain point. Um, so so it's it's kind of like an intended adjustment on top of on top of the, um, you know, the normalized pacing to change your pace of the race. And so generally, you know, most people will stick with just the, the basic, you know, change that's in here has a default without customizing it. Um, but if you know that your plan makes you capable of, of essentially evenly pacing this thing the whole way through where your, your level of effort at the beginning is the same as your level of effort at the end, which, you know, it might make sense for 50K. For a hundred miler, i'm I'm not convinced that straight pacing <laughs> makes yeah. sense, but that's what this is. So there's there's an option for just a flat, which is you know the, the you know you don't change it at all. The basic is you know pre-programmed in here, but you can change the percentage, so you say my like fifteen percent. Um, you could also use the, a more advanced model where like you can you know run flat for 15 miles and then start degrading after that. So you can do some more complex um, strategies if you want to. I'll go ahead and just leave it as as a default for now. The heat factor, um, especially for Western states, is an important one to keep in mind. So, you know, um, right, the the heat model is one that I'm still trying to further develop. And right now, essentially, you can apply a maximum amount of heat, um, which is kind of the apex apex of the center middle. Actually, it's about half an hour after solar noon. and then in a baseline. So for Western states, you know, often it's pretty cool at night, at night. So it never cools off all the way. But in the middle of the day, you know, that that sun's really gonna get you. And you can make a couple of variations of this plan, you know, that may factor in different kinds of weather. Um, one of the improvement I am hoping to make in here before this coming summer is actually using um, live weather data to, or forecasted weather data rather to actually do this for you. Um, yeah. but I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so, you know, for now we'll go with a baseline of five percent, meaning that like it's kind of even hot at night. <laughs> and then and then a maximum of 20%. So like you know you can follow it's just it's a sinusoidal curve here. But at the you know just afternoon, um you know I probably think it's probably around two PM, you know, you've got that maximum and then it starts to decline again afterwards. So we'll go ahead and start with that. Um you click go and then the the number cruncher starts crunching numbers. Um, and what it'll do is go through those inputs um, and set up your pace plan so that you are normalizing all those levels of effort. Um, we see we've got um, you know, our, our course profile, which is in green here along the left and the Western States course profile. All the little red dots here are eight stations. Blue, the blue curve is your pace. And so, um, you know, you can see your instantaneous pace along the course at any point. Um, you know, some huge spikes here as you're crawling out of, you know, first, um, the canyon from Swinging Bridge and coming out of Duncan Canyon, um, where they have those backwards, where's that Swinging Bridge? That was Duncan. Um, and then um, transitioning here, you can see the shading at the back. This is where you actually transition into nighttime. And so, at this point, from the rest of the course in, you're running in the dark. Um, nice. In terms of the actual modeling that's applied earlier on, you know, we've got altitude to deal with. Coming in, we've got some sun to deal with. Um, if you look at the details page here, there's a number of different charts, but you can kind of look through like your heat. So, this is where you're dealing with heat at different parts of the course, dropping down into nighttime. Um, and so, There's a lot of data that some people will be really excited about and some people will be less excited about because not everybody loves numbers as much as I do. (laughs) Um, But ultimately, you end up with this plan um, and it will provide you with, you know, the the different segments of of the course where you are, you know, gain loss between aid stations. But then also the pacing, your your pace between aid stations, what time of day you're going to hit each of those aid stations, how long you're going to sit there for um, before proceeding, you can break it down into various segments to kind of look at a closer level, you know, like this climb, for example, um, up to the thumb, you might look at specifically like, you know, what this this section coming out of the, you know, off, out of swinging bridge, um, you know, we've got um, really steep climb coming out of there, 20, 21% grade on average. And it'll break down the different factors here that you're actually dealing with. So we've got this normalized pace, right? And then that's getting, you know, we got another 167% on top of that for the degrade, we've got heat, we've got the terrain factor, the altitude still, de- you're still dealing with a little bit of altitude there. And so all those different factors building into this number um, that, you know, this average pace through this section of 27 minute mile on that hike out, right? Um, and so... Uh, You can kind of drill down through various segments that way to kind of see different parts of the course, look at individual mile splits throughout. Um, But a lot of people find, you know, this is a really helpful table to provide to their crew so that, you know, you've got your crew planning on meeting you at whichever aid station, you know, they're coming to Forest Hill. So, you know, you're going to be there at six o'clock on Saturday. Right. And, um, you know, they can follow you throughout the day. And as you're hitting various aid stations, you know, if you're a little ahead or a little behind, they can, kind of just apply whatever difference to, you know, that time that they're supposed to meet you. So it's really, really helpful for the crew to have this. You can share these links um, to your crew. So they've got it available. There's also the ability to to edit like specific notes for each one. So um, you can have this kind of whole life plan in here. So, you know, like you might say, at school, I'm gonna make sure I have my headlamp, of course. you could put, you know, whatever notes you want for things like at Red Star, pick up whatever, pick up my, you know, Snickers bar. I love Snickers bars. Um, and then you can you can define specific delays at certain aid stations. So like, you know, you get down to Forest Hill. Where am I in the world? Forest Hill. I know I'm going to need my crew there, and I'm probably gonna spend a long time, so I'm going to have a 15 minute delay there. So I'm going to pick up my pizza. Um So. So you can add you know, individual unique delays that are different than that. Just three minutes that we use everywhere, five minutes we use everywhere. So let's go ahead and crunch, up, crunch these numbers. And, and then now we've got something too that you can share this link and then everybody on your crew will have this. Um, I'll go ahead and just show you. So like my my last 100 miler was um, Rio two years ago now, a year and a half ago. Um, so kind of the kind of notes that I had stuck in you know, like there's a timing mat here. It's going to be 47 degrees. These are the kinds of things I'm going to have. You know, this is what I want my crew to do, to do when I get there, that stuff. So I was able to share this link, continue to work on it, continue to tweak it. So that, you know, on race day, they've got the latest version up on their phone. Um, you can go ahead and like print um, what I call the, the race card, which is this little like one page box that I, I, I what I do is I cut this out. And I tape it on the back of my bib and then you've got that with you all day long. So you can kind of flip to it and look at like my paces through this section and what they need to be. Um, you can share, you know, you can share those PDFs. Um, if you, if you prefer to do it that way and print them. Um, but this live plan is kind of where I always tend to go for, for sharing my race day plans. What were we in Western States? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and you um, you can go into this details page, and it'll show you a lot more of the the numbers behind. You know how to get to the paces that were done. So you know, we've got um, this is kind of about the event: what time it starts, stops, when the sun rises and sets. You know, um, our total time. So like for your plan that we just put together, we had twenty one hours total. Um, almost two hours of it was standing still. You know, that's a lot of time. And so. Um, that's always really important to kind of keep that in mind, you know, when you're planning this thing and trying to make sure you're realistic with those dwells because, you know, that two hours makes a big difference on your average paces, whether which way you go with it. Um, This is always an interesting number to look at your average, average level of effort, you know, for the whole thing, the normalized pace, you know, you can see how big of a difference that is from 1130 almost to 730, right? Like, You're, you know, a lot of this is because of altitude early on, and because of, you know, the the terrain that's in there, and because of having to slow down at night. And um, so, there's this normalized number that's always a a good one to keep in mind that you know your actual pace and your level of effort are very different. Um, The strategy we went over earlier, you know, this one's not incredibly exciting because it's just the the normal degrading twenty percent grades you know, how, how grade influenced the pacing. So overall it added, you know, 18% to the overall pacing, you know, what the climbs were like at steepest in this model, you know, we had a well, 425% increase because of how steep it was, how the altitude influenced you, you know, up at the higher elevations, it was another like 15% to your pacing. And by the time you get down below you know, the, the uh, threshold, which it doesn't matter, you know, it's pretty much zero down below terrain, how that influenced the pacing. The heat how darkness influences it um so darkness essentially is an, is an amplification of how complicated the terrain is so you know if, the, if it's a straight flat road it doesn't do anything but as the terrain gets more complicated the darkness makes a bigger influence to the overall pacing
0: sure and yeah. is there a way um to um to adjust like the terrain like based mm-hmm. on a section like in that first obviously when you get up to the ridge if it's a snow year, right, that's going to contribute a little bit more to.
1: Yeah. So the terrain, um, it's all built into, so, so the race, this one was one off the races page. So the terrain here, um, is defined in the model. Like this one, this first section is overall of like nine, nine and a half percent. That's a little bit of the fire road climbing up to the ridge. you know, then you turn into a single track coming down off of it. Um, when you're building your own course, you can add terrain however you like. So, you know that this this course in here for for Western states is not a snow course. Um, if if it you know was looking like it was going to be very different, you could create a copy of this and modify it however you liked. Um, I'll show you what that what that looks like um, in in here. So, um, when you're modifying a course. You can actually de- define points all throughout it and define different types of terrain and at each point throughout how it switches up. So, you know, we've got fire road for that first ascent up till we get to the escarpment and then we switch to single track and follow that through until we hit Robinson Flat. We go down to this fire road for a little while, then back on the single track and back to fire road. So it kind of toggles back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when you're building a course, a lot of people don't bother with the terrain if it's Consistent throughout, um, it, you know, if it's all single track, for example, and it's all roughly the same train, unless you're really u- trying to use that normalized number for something, like to compare it to a different race course, it it, it factors out. Um, if the if the course has significantly different kinds of terrain you know, for example, like States has a lot of sections that are really nice wide fire road, more technical stuff in the mountains, you know, um, the terrain becomes more important. And so when you're building this, um, you can, you know, choose from a number of different kinds of terrain and there's a default number for each, but you can also plug in whatever amplification you think is necessary, you know, for for that section of, of the course. And so, um, you know, like you can, you can make a plan for Ultra Pacer with just a GPX file and no course knowledge, but you can make it a lot better when you have that course knowledge um, and knowing where the terrain comes in and into, the, into play. The um, All the grade modeling is done right out of the GPX file, so right out of the altitude model. But um, terrain is everything that doesn't show up right in that altitude. You know, it's too small. It might be roots and rocks. It might be little inundations and in, in the trail as you're winding along the canyon ridge, ridge. So um, you know, some course knowledge helps define that terrain model and makes the pacing a lot better.
0: Cool. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Great. And then um one thing that a lot of people find useful too, I'll show you with this with when we were just looking at for Rio. There's an option to post process after after you have a race. And so this can be useful um, when you're building a plan, um, you know, if you've got some race experience that you can leverage to help you with that, it's really useful. So for example, for Rio, um, I had a, I had this 20 hour goal for Rio, and, um, and I was really, really intent on hitting that. And so I set up this plan for 20 hours and I pretty much stayed right on, right on point And, uh, Um, wanted to kind of really get the modeling figured out to make sure I can hit it. And then after you're done with the race, you can actually, um, while looking at your plan compared to, you know, an existing activity. So, so for Rio, um, I came in at 1955. So just under that, it was, it was pretty close. And my pacer was sick of me asking over and over again, are we going to make it? We're going to make it, you know, um, but uh, so this plot on the left now, I've just uploaded um, my actual activity on top of my pace plan. And so, you know, um, this blue curve here is actually the delta between the two. So um, you can see, like, through the, first, through the first 10 miles, I you know, which I, on this course is paved, for, more or less. You know, it jumps on and off a little bit of single track. Um, but it was really easy to kind of just stay right on point. And then, um, I got excited and kind of started getting ahead of my plan a little ways through the middle of the day till I was about 20 minutes ahead of schedule through most of the day. Um, and because of that started losing it again, started <laughs> <I ate laughs> about 75 miles. Um, and then kind of finished here, like right five minutes ahead of schedule. So this is really useful. And then, um, you can see on the right here, there's some fields now in, in green that are highlighted that show like the actuals. So like, I was supposed to hit Negro Bar at 2:46. I hit it at 2:39, right? And I spent 38 seconds there of my three minutes. So I, you know, I made it through that aid station a lot faster. So these, you know, these these can be really useful numbers to really get an idea of how long do I spend in the aid station. You know, how long am I really stopping for? And so um, these these can be useful. You know, some most of these I flew right through, but then, you know, a little bit later I had some some longer ones. Um, but yeah.
0: Awesome. And that was under actions is where you found that?
1: Oh, yeah. So the actions menu has all these various options in here um, where you can modify and create new plans, uh, modify the course you're looking at, share share the course link or the plan link. There's a send feedback option in there, which will send an email to whoever created this course in Ultra Pacer. Um, it might be me, it might be you know whoever else created it that shared it with you download stuff, compare it to previous stuff, print. And there's a couple of utilities in there for, like, modifying the courses. Like, you can reverse one or du- duplicate one, stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
0: Awesome. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um, so do you have any any questions about your plan and, and, and things you might want to change, or do you want me to kind of go over creating a new one and show you how that works?
0: Yeah, let's go through creating a new one. That might spark some some questions I think that was pretty straightforward for me but if okay. uh, if I get questions I'll <laughs> I'll let you know
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so um, well while I got this up just again through, through the actions you can modify the plan we created with all of the various inputs um, this edit button at the top it's kind of just for the page you're looking at so it lets you like change the notes and the specific delays at different aid stations and then as you have multiple plans, you can you can create as many plans as you want. Well, I should phrase, rephrase that. Um, for the free accounts, I think can create five, um, but the members are can create as many as they want. Um, and you know, if you click on new, it'll kind of copy over what you just had in the, for the previous one, and you can start tweaking things for the next one. Um, you know, you can share the different versions. You may have an A goal and a B goal. You know, for what you want to do, and have mm-hmm. those ready. Um, you know, for race day. And then uh, there are a couple different views. Um, there's the pace planning view, which is what we're just looking at. If you have the permission to modify the course you're looking at, you can use the edit and that'll take you into actually modifying the course and I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, the plot on the left there's little tool tips that show what all the different curves indicate. A lot of people ask what this gray in the background is. It's, it's actually the grade um, for whatever section just to kind of give you a, vi- a visual of how steep it is um clicking on individual you know eight stations throughout the course you can kind of drill down different segments by just clicking around and you know experiment with it click around and see what things do. Hopefully it doesn't break if it does let me know. <laughs> yeah um, you know this is this platform is definitely a work in progress. so if anybody's feedback is super helpful for me because you know I use it a certain way, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably ultra Pacers number one fan, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, I, I use it a certain way. And when somebody else uses it a different way, sometimes it surprises me what happens. And so, you know, if you ever have questions or feedback and something's confusing, you know, please reach out. There's a little, um, email button here at the top. So you can, that'll just send me an email and, you know, I'm usually pretty good at responding relatively promptly. Um, yeah, so let's go create create a new course. What do you want to create a course for?
0: Um, let's see. Um, let's do... Um, they changed the course for Cruel Jewel this year. Did you see that?
1: I didn't. That's what I think that I have maybe an older version of. Um, let's see. I had one for 2022. Somebody has updated... For May, let's take a look at this one. The fifty, hundred, the
0: hundred. Well, both actually, both races are now starting at uh, Camp Morganton. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's, it's a bit different than it was previously. Okay, let's see. Um, so yeah, the starts no longer at Vogel. They won't be going in Vogel at all.
1: All right. So. Um, Let's see. How did I get this course to start with? (laughs) Copy. We'll create a new one for 2023. Cool. This isn't going to be the example you want because I'm starting with an existing one. (laughs)
0: Uh, Changing it. uh, So, do you want one that's not in there that we can? Yeah. I can. I can. um, We can do the the 50 miler that I'm doing in April. What is that one? It's called the Rim Runner. Rim Runner 50
1: miles. Race Rapes. Oh, that's not it. Let's see.
0: Who puts that on? Um, it's in Tennessee. Um, let's see.
1: 2023.
0: Find out for you.
1: Here we go. Do you know, is there a GPX available for this or would we have to put that together?
0: Um, Let me me find out for you. Um, hmm, Let's see. Okay. So their website is greentunnelevents.com. And the rim runner.
1: Here we go. Okay, fifty
0: miler. I'm doing the fifty miler. Correct.
1: All right. Okay. Alterate. So, um, well, let me go back. You some. know, generally, the best place to start with for a race, you know, is is something that the the course already has posted. Um, Sometimes, you know, it's easier to grab somebody's activity off of Strava. Um, Sometimes you have to create it your own on your own. Uh, one thing that is, is important for the trail run modeling, um, in ultra pacer is good altitude data. And, um, so, so you want to make sure that the altitude source is good. I'm pretty sure plot doesn't provide their altitude. And typically I don't use it anyway. So I'm going to go ahead and just download this um, and see what's in here. I'm going to go to my dashboard, um, create a new course. I'm going to upload that GPX that I just downloaded from our website. Okay. So there is there is altitude data in here. Good. All right. So we'll call it Run Runner Fifty. Um, coming from this GPX file, there are a few different options in here. So one is if it's a looped course, you can just create create a course from one of the loops and then loop it as many times as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, or organized event gives you the option to like actually specify like a date and time to start. So um, let's see. That is uh,
0: April first.
1: April Fool's Day.
0: Uh do you know? Uh I don't know what time it starts offhand. Um I can look real quick. Um let's see. Uh 6 a.m. Okay. Six a.m.
1: Does it have a cutoff?
0: Um uh, let's see, I think it does. Uh
1: 16 hour. Sixteen okay. There's an option in here um, to override the distance or gain or loss. This is intended to be kind of like minor differences. Sometimes, well, every time you run or measure a course with a GPX or a GPS, it's going to come out a little different. Um, the you know if you built the course with some of the online tools for modeling, the, you know whatever digital elevation model they use for the gain or for, you know for the altitude is going to be a little different. So if you know like this course is 100 miles, or so it was exactly 50, like for example, it, we'll just assume it's 550. Um, you can you can tweak those numbers. And what that'll do is in the modeling, it'll it'll amplify it a little bit to make it you know, match whatever you put in here. Um, there's an option to make it publicly visible. So you know, if you want to be able to share the course with others after you you create it or share your plans, um, there's a little box here at the bottom for a link that, that um, only I have, so that I can post things with permanent file links. But I'll go ahead and save, um, and then it's going to take us into that course, and we can kind of take a look at it and start building it out. Um, so we right now we've got our elevation profile, we've got the course. Um, so the first step is to start adding waypoints that are important, which usually are aid stations for most courses. Okay. Um, do they publish aid stations for this course that you've seen?
0: Let me see what we got here.
1: Okay. Um. We'll start. Finish. Volunteering. Looking we'll through the website.
0: It looks like just distances. Um. Looks like the uh, in the middle of the page where the courses are, there's like two little charts. Do you see? Oh, there those? we go.
1: Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use that. So uh, what we're looking at here is um, a course chart. So we've got the rim runner 50, or 100. It looks like the 100 is just two loops of the 50, probably. Correct. Um, and so they've posted a total.
0: And it's it's an out and back.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I was looking but at the, the mileage. To out and back out
0: once, that. and the hundreds out and back twice.
1: <laughs> it's oh, it's two loops,
0: two loops. The, um. Yeah. Just well, it's kind of like a U out and back. I guess it is two loops. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Okay.
1: So, we've got um, a number of aid stations to start, Pull Bridge at five and a half. We've got a drop, one called South at 10.8, Champion 18.4, comes back through that again. So, what I'm going to do is um, bring these up side by side. So, I've got them. And I'm going to go ahead and just start adding waypoints. There's a button at the bottom to start adding those in. So, uh, where did that go? Let me just add that up. It disappeared on me. Um, So, we've got whole bridge at 5.5. We've got um, south at 10.8. We've got champion at 18.4. So, and sometimes you'll run into a course where they've got like a CalTOPO file, and they've already got these, you know, these points defined like in CalTOPO. So, you can actually upload those directly with this okay. and if, if you have a digital version already sometimes you know we this is what we've got to start with champion right. again um uh, 21.3 and then um we're actually going to do the whole thing twice so i'm just going to go ahead and plug those in again at uh, full bridge 60 sorry not 21 it could be 30.5 um, we've got South again at 35.8. We've got Champion again at, we yeah, have there, 25, 43.4? right. And check in the last one at. Let's see how good my quick map is. All right. So um, that puts these points on the, on the profile, puts them on the, on the map. Um, okay. Usually, when you see a table like this, um, and then you put it on a map, distances aren't exact, right? Like, because the distance that's calculated by Ultra Ultrapacer um, is driven from the file we uploaded. So between every point, it adds that on. Um, you know, as I mentioned, like, that is going to be a little different depending on everybody's specific watch and what day it is and where the satellites are. And so, you know, usually these are, like, kind of rounded off, maybe even the nearest half mile. So usually what you kind of have to do is take a look at those and fine-tune them. This one um we'll start with south if we you know go in here look at the satellite is this little out and back section to what looks like a trailhead so almost certainly like the aid stations would be into that so you come in here and adjust it a little bit um over to where it really is because it's not exactly at five and a half right it was actually mm-hmm. 5.55 um, so that one was a pretty easy one down here at the south end you know if i oh here we go like that course you can see it's got this little zigzag in it so right that's probably because somebody was standing around the aid station because when they recorded it. Um, so I'm gonna assume that aid station's right where we've got it. You know, out here it's gonna be at this junction. So we're gonna we're gonna bump this one over a little bit towards where the other is. That's that first one. That's that one. You know, and this one. So the, the, those are kind of in that same spot. So we can kind of adjust them, fine tune them to be on the map where they should be. Um, you know so our actual distances are going to be slightly different than what's recorded here so that's you know that's the first step is getting the aid stations in there so now we've got those um and then if'
0: good just just to be clear when you adjusted where they went you just mm-hmm. clicked on the edit function on the actual aid station is that yeah right? so the,
1: the um there's these little edit buttons edit mm-hmm. delete um if you click on one of those it'll pull up this menu where you can actually give more information, some notes on it, what kind it is. So we, there, um, I should have probably done a little more background before I just started going. There are a number of different types of waypoints that you can put in at Ultrapacer. Um, aid station is you know, the, the, the most common one, but there may be other things, water sources, just general landmarks you wanna keep track of, junctions, um, which, you know, like two tra- trails meet or other. And the way I typically use those, aid station is pretty self-explanatory. W- water source is pretty self-explanatory. You know, like somewhere you're, you're not able to get full service. Landmark um, will allow you to like see on a map where something is. You can have a destination time, you know, as part of your plans. So, like
0: I know I'm going to hit the summit
1: at 6 p.m. That's important to you for whatever reason in your race planning. Um, I typically use the, the junction one to define like a point where the terrain changes. And I'll go over that in a little bit, um, but, or you can have some other one. And when you use different types, um, they show up in different colors on the map. So like now we have this um, this blue one, that was the water one, you know? Um, so they they have different colors. They, they really more, more of just a labeling thing than anything, but both of these top two aid station and water source, those are the ones where the delays apply. So like, you know, we put in five minutes of Delay at station. Yep. If it's one of these two kinds, the delay applies. The other ones don't have any delay associated with them. Got it. Um, and then if you know you have cutoff terms, like you can plug those in. So, like for example, um, you know we didn't put in our, our 25 mile um, um, halfway through. We didn't plug that one in. But say we knew that your cutoff to the middle, um, you said it was a 16 hour cutoff. We'll just say it's eight hour eight hours okay. in the middle even okay. though we don't know that for sure. Yeah. Um, you can plug that number in there so it'll keep track of, you know, those cutoffs. Um, so so now we've got kind of our, all of our waypoints fleshed out. Um, if we go to the segments, we can see all the different segment lengths, gain losses between each name, intermission, interval. Inter, inter, what's the word I'm looking for? Interval, um, <laughs> grades, uh, splits. And then the next thing to start working on after we've got the aid stations in there is terrain um just looking at the satellite on this you haven't run this course yet not yet yeah just looking at the satellite it looks to me like the kind of course that's pretty much going to be the same throughout like none of these look like roads just kind of skinny around it what it looks like is a whole bunch of single track oh that one's a road there's a little bit of road in there um most of this looks like forested single track is that your impression too yes correct So with the terrain modeling, um, the way that the way that terrain works is you, you define it on waypoints. And the waypoints could be eight stations. But they could just be random points on the trail. So you might stick in a point that's like two miles in because you know we have this transition to single track. I'll put that in the spot. So we have this transition to single track two miles in. I'm just making this up. Um, I'm gonna call that a junction and I'm going to call this single track from here on out. Um, But up to that point, we'll say that it was on a fire. And so it essentially will take whatever you define at the first waypoint and carry it forward until you change it. And then it'll carry that forward until you change it again. And so you can create points along the course where you have these junctions of different types of terrain. Um, A lot of times it's at aid stations, like, for example, here at this one, you know, we're coming through, we get to that junction at the first champion here, we switch over to a road for a little while to about right there, where it goes back to single track. So I'm going to stick in a junction at 19.5, where we go to single track. And the visibility option I didn't talk about yet, but um, some things like this one aren't something you really want to show up on your plan. Um, it, it's part of building the terrain model, but you don't care to see it as like a destination or like. Right. You know, it's important to me that I hit this at whatever time. So you can hide it. Um, and it will just be in there in the model, but not actually be used for anything. I meant to switch that to an um, I'm going to call that a junction. And there we transition to single track. And it looks like it didn't quite nail the distance. So I'm going to click on it and push it forward a little bit more to there. Um, and then at Champion, we actually switched over to pavement. So we're going to be paved for a little bit. So um, what's now done here, if in the modeling is this section of trail is now defined as paved. So it has no influence to the train, And then at this point you hit single track again. And so you'll look, if we look at segments in here under um, that section between champion and champion, our overall terrain factor was actually a little less than seven because the first half part of it is zero and then it goes to actually 12% for the single track. Um, But if you look at individual splits past that section, like here, we've got four, that section, we've got seven and a half. So, you know, every little branch in here uses um, whatever terrain you're running over that point on. And then back when we get to the next champion again, uh, which was here, we stay on single track through until we get um, back to that point again, um, where we switch back to paved zero and then i'll stick in that point at should be what 40? 40. and um, this is one benefit of defining it as a looped course because if it's a loop course you only have to define it for one loop the track we stuck in is actually one track that covers both loops so we kind of have to do everything twice does that make sense Yep. yeah all right so 40 we're gonna go to single track 40. I put that in the wrong place. Where do I stick it? Way wrong, way wrong. All right, I'm going back, forward. Okay, and I want to make that a junction. Let's see, hidden junction. Cool, okay. So, um, and I'm gonna delete this first one that I made up since it doesn't really exist and change this all to single track. So, um, what we've defined now is is this terrain model that's almost all single track, um, but switches to a paved section through this little length. Um, we've added a cutoff at one point right in the middle, but we're really ready to use the model to create a new plan. And so at this point, um, you can just go ahead and um, go to the planning view, which you can get through, through the actions menu or through the, this, um, switch from editing to pace planning okay. and give us the option to create a new course. So we're going to go ahead and call it, um, um, test we're going to stick in. What do you want? Eight hours. Um, okay. how bold are you feeling?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: uh, let, sure. Eight hours. <laughs> eight hours.
1: Um, and then let's say, you know, my, what I almost always do with my planning, I I have a tendency to um, kind of start a little slow and then and then kind of pick up speed for a little bit, and then around ten miles start start slowing down again. So I'm gonna do my my typical um, trans, <laughs> my typical profile, which is kind of something like this. Um, I'm gonna go fire there, and and we'll say it's gonna get really hot today. Really hot, humid. Is it humid there this time of year? Um,
0: in April, it could be, <laughs> it could snow. <laughs> Who <Yeah>. knows? <laughs>
1: so, um, there we have it. Um, here's our, our our pace plan. You can see we've kind of got all of the the blue in here. I'll make it a little bit bigger. You know, our, our instantaneous paces throughout where we're heading each age station, delays. Um, again, we have all the segment information. We can drill down you know, between to kind of see how all of our pacing works out. Um, But that's it. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. so the the main steps with creating a course are one, getting a a course with good altitude data. And so um, the best altitude data is usually from a watch that has a barometer in it. Most running watches don't have a barometer. So like if you download a track from Strava or from elsewhere, Usually, it's a digital model that's been applied to the lat longs that came from the watch. Um, The second best source of altitude that I know of outside of an altimeter is actually Strava's altitude model. They have used, they've leveraged people's barometers to create their altitude model. So, whenever I'm creating a course to use an ultra pacer, That I don't have recorded from my watch already, I always use Strava's root builder because their altitude model is their digital altitude model beats all the others. Um, And in fact, a lot of times when I take something from a different source like this one, I'll take this GPX file, upload it into Strava, download it again with their their altitude, and use that. When you're building a course, you can actually. you can actually do it directly from Strava in here. So you can change your source in here to a Strava root and put the URL in directly. Then if you make any changes, you can just um, sync them up again um, through Strava. That works cool. pretty well too.
0: Very cool. Um, yeah. Earlier on, yeah. you had mentioned okay. in your, your settings about um, there was two um, sliders. One was um, altitude and one was night running, correct?
1: Yes. Um, so again, this is one perk, one of the few perks in here that is available to members only. Most of the people who decide to be members for UltraPacer are doing it as, as a matter of support, because to, to keep the project going. Um, there will be in the future more members-only stuff as I have time to build it out. This performance one is is one of those, and it. Um, it gives you a little bit of a dial on top of the default modeling. So I think what would be useful is for me to just show this thing in the documentation that does exist about all the models and how they work <laughs> that shows like, this is how the grade model works. You know, when we hit negative 20, 20%, that's, you know, an amplification of 1.2, you know, on, on top of your pacing. And the altitude model by definition doesn't kick on until you get to about 850, or 750 uh, meters in altitude, and then it's, you know, um, then it's pretty much a, a compounding exponential curve after that. And then, you know, the terrain model is, is is defined this way and that way. And so, so there's these models that are built into the tool. Um, and there are a couple of dials under the settings page where you can kind of fine tune it for you. Um, altitude is one where that it makes a lot of sense because you can change how fit you are in terms of altitude by exposure. And so I, I don't do a lot of elevation running and I, I always feel like my personal performance at altitude isn't as good as even it should be based on the data that's available from research. <laughs> and so, so that's why I have mindset at 120%. Um, cause I, I just feel like it hits me a little bit harder and, um, on the flip side, though, I run, I'd say 80% of my running is in the dark with a headlamp. And so I'm, I'm really comfortable with the dark, so I've kind of dialed that one back a little bit. Um, I, I intend to add more of these dials in for the other models. I just haven't gotten there yet. Um, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm planning on doing some more work with the, the heat model where it would actually use real forecasts. And when I get there, that's another one that will make a lot of sense to how to dial for heat. Um, right now, you know, you're defining it on your own anyway. And so the dial doesn't really make sense. But once once it's using, leveraging other data, you know, heat is one that you can really, really affect by acclimatizing yourself. And so right. it makes sense to have some tweaks on that as well.
0: So the, uh, just to kind of reclarify, when we talk about altitude, the further you are towards 200%, the less um um
1: the more, you is, are. The more
0: yeah.
1: Of, yeah so so zero would mean that altitude doesn't affect you right okay. yeah and then um you know 200 percent would mean that it affects me twice as much as it should and when right. i say it should that, that's that's based on the altitude model um which is derived from research on racing at elevation and how they actually adjust marathon course, um, cool. requirements for altitude. And, um, I, I should have better documentation on the derivation of, of the, the model, but the actual model itself was posted under the documentation.
0: Cool. Okay. And same thing with darkness is, you know, yeah. I so yeah, you could turn dark.
1: it off completely. If you dial this all the way down to zero, then neither of those would actually do anything at all. So you, yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, Darkness. Dar- the way the darkness model works um, is it's it's an amplification of terrain, and so um, you know essentially that the idea is that terrain has a bigger influence on you when you can't see it as well, mm-hmm. um, and the default is a doubling of the terrain influence. So you know if you're on flat pavement and there's no there's nothing there, it doesn't do anything, but you know if you're on rocky terrain, um, it becomes the, the, the influence of the train alone becomes twice as significant when it's dark out. And the um, the way the modeling works is, you know, when you transition into um, into dark, like there's, there's a dusk period. And during certain times of the year at certain latitudes, the dusk period can be a lot longer. And so, you know, I've looked at races up in northern Sweden where like it was dusk the entire time, right? And so <laughs> during that period of time, the, the influence of darkness um, matches the light level. So, you know, there, it's not, it's not at all one thing. It actually slowly transitions as you go from, um, you know, sunset through twilight into darkness. Uh, I told you I would get nerdy with us if you let me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's it's great hearing about where this all came from and how it's applicable to uh, to various races. So thank you. Yep. Um, is there any other pieces that we should touch on in the platform?
1: I don't think so. You know, we kind of covered it all. Um, I think, um, you know, I, I'm a tinkerer. And so, you know, I, I, I encourage people to just get on here and click around and see what happens. Um, we shouldn't be able to break anything. You know, anybody can create content in here. Um, if it, if it lets you, you know, modify something, it's because you're supposed to be able to. So, you know, some people I think are a little concerned with seeing something here and not knowing, oh, can I, can I click this button and modify it? If it, you know, if you've got the permissions to, it's because you're supposed to. So, you know, you can go ahead and create, play your own plans, share them, um, you know, just explore and, and, you know, reach out to me if you have questions, because I, I love to talk about this stuff. And, um, you know, I, I'm really not making any money with it. It's really cause I love it. <laughs> so <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't want to talk about it. So, yeah.
0: Well, I hope people do contribute, especially if they're, they're using it. Um, You know, I, I, I myself contribute, cause I think this is such a great resource and that's kind of why I want to do the podcast so other people can learn about it and kind of see how to use it. So Danny, thank you so much for, for creating this amazing, um you know, predictor for, for all of us it's uh, a a work of love and i can see that so thank you
1: yeah it's been a fun project and and just you know in terms of my next steps you know i mentioned further developing the the heat component um i I showed kind of briefly this the the view the different views we have the editing view for the courses and the planning view and then there's also the the post-race view for you know evaluating past performance um my, my next big push is going to be a real-time one, which allows crew a little bit more control over what they're doing. Most people find this tool especially useful for their crews because their crews are always wondering where they're going to be and what time. They don't want to be late. And so um, when that comes online, that's going to give crew the ability to, to say, you know, they hit this aid station instead of, you know, at 2 10 when they were supposed to. They got there at 1:30, and so they can plug that in, and utilizing the modeling, it will forecast all their times downstream from how well they're actually doing. Cool. And um, you know, I I'm really excited about that because you know it's really it'll be really useful for, for the crews. And then ultimately, I would love to tie it in with some of the actual real-time race platforms you know a lot of races now have timing mats with broadcasted information and so i haven't started those discussions yet but i would love to to hook this in with some of those companies doing doing that work where that data i can pipe it over to this with an api and we can just sync it all up which would be awesome um but i haven't gotten there yet
0: so cool yeah man, you got some you got some plans and that's wonderful Great. I have
1: plenty of plans. Time is a whole <laughs> different challenge. I have on top of my actual career, I have um, you know, a family. I've got two kids, six and eight, <laughs> that keep me pretty busy. And so yeah, my sure. my period of time between like four AM and seven AM before everybody's up and busy. That's my time for tinkering and for running. And it's where I get all that done. <laughs> <laughs>
0: awesome, Danny. Um, I know there is the link above the email um do you mind if i just put your email in the show notes that if folks want to reach out
1: not at all yeah danny at ultrapacer.com yep i also have a, a facebook group um which i occasionally post stuff in although i'm really bad at social media so the best way to reach out to me is through email
0: cool i'll
1: put that all in the show notes as well as the
0: the website so danny thank you again for your time and for going through this thank you for this resource um it's fantastic so Keep up the good work, my friend. (laughs) Thank
1: you, Aaron. Talk to you soon.